Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Hey, uh, take your Bible, turn over to Exodus 15. Uh, I was thinking up there when uh, Kelsey and Alyssa were singing, uh, that's a lot of South Odom uh, uh, performances that uh, they were there. They're, that was a, a good group up there. So uh, uh, thinking back to some good times. We're going to go over in Exodus 15 today. We're going to be talking about would you rather have gratitude or would you rather have grumbling? Because what you focus on is going to make all the difference in the world. So probably most of you have heard of virtual reality. Uh, anybody who ever done a virtual reality game before? Okay, several of you, several of you. Uh, that's there. Did it seem like it was real when you were doing it? If you're wondering what virtual reality is, let me explain it briefly. Virtual reality is the use of computer technology to create a simulated experience which can be explored in 360 degrees. Unlike traditional interfaces, VR places the user inside the virtual environment to give an immersive experience. So that's, that's virtual reality. Basically, it is a computer-generated world that your brain thinks is real. Okay, To show you what, uh, even though you know it's not real, your brain is convinced it is. And here's some examples, just a, a real short video on some people uh, using a uh, VR game here right now. And it's still not over yet. You're back there. A crazy guy changed here with a drill. Now look around. <laughs> So your brain perceives it as real, even though it isn't. So what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be looking at situations in life where what we focus on may not be the full story or even be real, but that's going to be what we think is real because we've trained our mind in such a way. Now we're going to be over in Exodus 15, 16, and 17. We're going to look at four different stories, uh, all basically the same type of story. And what we're going to see is how the children of Israel constantly focused on the wrong thing. Now the background's real important. The children of Israel have just left Egypt. They have seen the plagues of Egypt. They've seen the Egyptians brought to their knees, the power of God, the miracles of God. When they left Egypt, they've gone from slavery into freedom. Uh, they basically took the spoils of Egypt with them, uh, taking all kinds of, of, uh, of the goods of Egypt. They got to the Red Sea. They've seen the parting of the Red Sea. They've seen the destruction of Pharaoh's army. And now it's three days later, three days later, and let's see what happens. And the first thing we see is this. You need to focus on God and not your problem. Look at Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses led Israel, then let me try again. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses and said, what are we going to drink? So three days after they leave Egypt, they get out into the desert and they run out of water. They're in a hot desert, no water. They could literally die of thirst. So it's really not that big a problem, right? 
Wrong. It is a big problem. There is no water in the middle of a desert. And so immediately they begin to get afraid, but then they come upon some water. And when they come upon the water, they get all excited. Ah, God came through again. Look at what God's done. And then they get to the water, and the water cannot be drunk. As a matter of fact, it's bitter water. And so their bubble pops. They think everything's going to be good. They finally have gotten this water, and now the water is bitter water. The word mara means bitter uh, in the Hebrew. And so immediately the people start to grumble. And they said, we had rather have died in Egypt uh, than to be here. And they start complaining about what's going on. They start grumbling about what's happening. So what's the problem the children of Israel have at this point? Obviously, they need water, but the problem is they are focusing on what has gone wrong instead of focusing on God. And if you focus on your problem, your problem is always going to become bigger than you think it is. If all you do is thinking about your problem all day long, that problem is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We don't have any water. Things are bad. Uh, we're going to die. We would have been better to have stayed in Egypt. And it just gets getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Instead of focusing on God and saying, look at what God's done in the past. We've seen all of these miracles in Egypt over, over a couple of months period of time. We've seen the parting of the Red Sea. We've seen God with us every step of the way. We know God's going to be with us today. But the problem is what you focus on is what you begin to see. Anybody here ever heard of the reticular activating system? Okay, what, thank you, Dr. Martin. Uh, <laughs> so the reticular activating system, I could give you kind of the same uh, explanation, but this is the layman's uh, thing of what uh, RAS is. It basically means when you focus on something, your brain takes what you're focusing on to be important. And so the more you focus on something, the more your brain begins to say, okay, that was something important that's going on there. And so then history begins to take effect. You see it again. Your brain says you focused on it. That was important. Therefore, it's coming up again. So the more you focus on something, the more your brain is going to start telling you it's important. Then that's what's going on. And so uh, if you begin to focus on your problems and all you see is your problem, your RAS kicks in and you say, okay, you know, th this is a big deal. Every time this comes up, I'm going to say this is a big deal. It's kind of like you say, okay, I've got a kid, and uh, I think my child is being rude. And your child might be polite nine out of ten times. But because you think your child's being rude, your RAS kicks in, and all you see is the time they're being rude. You don't see the nine times they're being good, and so you're constantly pointing out their rude behavior because that's what your RAS has kicked in to say. It's like when you buy a car, and, uh, and, and, you know, you, oh, I've got an unusual car here, you know. I've never seen one of these on the road. And you buy a car, and then suddenly every time you drive down the road, you see the exact same car that you bought again. That's your RAS kicking in. So I'm going to do a little thing here and see how, how RAS works. First of all, just take a little glimpse, glimpse across the room right now. Just kind of look around the room for a second there. Okay, great. Now you're going to kick your RAS in in just a second. I want you to look around the room and see if you can find anything that's red. Look around the room and look for red. Anybody find any red in the room when you looked around? Yeah, everybody did. Guess what? Every time you look around the room for the rest of this service, you're going to see red. It's going to stand out to you. 
because your RES has now kicked in. There's something about that. And I apologize that for the rest of the day, you're going to be going somewhere and going, oh, that's red, uh, as you're going through that. But your mind has now said there's something important about that. So what you focus on is what you begin to see. The children of Israel here were focusing on the problem. We have no water. And when you're focusing on the problem, you're not going to be grateful. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be afraid. You're going to look at everything that might happen, and you're never going to be grateful. Instead of focusing on God and saying, what can God do in my problem? If you focus on God, it makes everything look different, and you'll be a much more grateful person. Well, the next story we have is right after this. So God takes care of their water problem. Chapter 16 starts, and the next thing we see is this. We need to focus on what we have and not what we lack. Focus on what we have and not what we lack. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam, came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, We wish we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. You brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So the problem here is they get out in the desert, so they've run out of water, now they've got water, but now they're starting to run out of food. And as they start to run out of food, they immediately begin to grumble and complain again. Now the food isn't gone at this point, it's just starting to run out. Uh, but, but they're looking at what they lack and that the food may soon be gone. But not only that, they're looking at what they had in Egypt. And what they're saying is this, you know what, the restaurants in Egypt are a whole lot better than they are out here in the desert. You know, this food isn't any good at all. And we're actually running out of this food. And, uh, you know, where is God? Why isn't God doing something? And so they begin to focus on what they lack. And again, that RES kicks in. And if you're focusing on what you lack, you're going to see it over and over again. You can have 90 things go right, one go wrong. But if you're focusing on the one that goes wrong, you're going to see it over and over again. Focusing on what you lack makes you an ungrateful person. You can have all kinds of blessings in this world. But if you can't get over the one thing you're missing, you're never going to be grateful. You're always going to feel like God's holding out on you or somebody didn't give you what you deserved. And so focusing on what you lack makes for a very ungrateful person. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. William Randolph Hearst died in the early 1950s. Uh, he was the richest man in the world uh, when he died. And he believed he owed hundreds of companies. And he believed his children just weren't responsible enough to be able to run the companies properly. So he put a management group in charge of the companies and said every one of his children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren would get money from what he was setting up. So when his grandson, William Randolph Hearst II, was born in the early 1950s, he got $150,000 a year every year uh, through what had been set up. By the time 2000 came around, William Randolph Hearst II was making $95 million a year doing absolutely nothing. And uh, he grew up uh, at Hearst Castle. Uh, that is not a, a monastery in the back. That is the house. Uh, that's there. Anybody here been to Hearst Castle? Uh, you know, there. So what was his reaction to all of this? Getting $95 million a year for doing nothing. He sued because he said it just wasn't enough money. 
that he, he, he needed to have more money than that, so he sued. Totally ungrateful for what his grandfather had done, just trying to get a little bit more. The funny thing was at the trial, uh, which, by the way, he lost, uh, the attorney asked him, uh, the opposing attorney, what do you actually do for a living that makes you, can, makes you think you can manage all of these companies? And he said, well, right now I mainly travel and shop. And, uh, you know, that was there. So you would have thought he could have handled it all. Uh, that, that was there. But very ungrateful, only looking at what you lack. If you look at what you lack, you're going to constantly feel like somebody's taking advantage of you, and you're never going to appreciate what you have. So this would be my suggestion to you. This week, this Thanksgiving week, focus on some things that you have and that you have to be grateful for. I would challenge you to write two little notes this week. They can just be paragraphs. Like, Two little paragraphs. One, to a person that you're grateful for. Somebody in your life that's done something for you, that's helped you. Somebody in your present that's doing something. Just write one note and say thank you to somebody. That's going to start changing your focus and your attitude right now if you think of one person and write a note to them. And second, I would encourage you to take another note and write a, write a thank you to God. God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. Those two things, if that's the only thing you do this week for Thanksgiving, is write those two notes it will kick your old RAS in, and guess what? That's what you're going to be focusing on, things that you're grateful for. So I would encourage you to do that this week. Well, uh, a little bit further on in chapter 16, we have a third story. And what we see in the third story is this. We need to focus on trusting God instead of panicking about what may happen. Trusting God instead of panicking about what may happen. So they're complaining they don't have any food. And so God solves the food problem by bringing in all these quail, and they're able to take the quail, and they've now got, got a, a, a meat to eat. And then God, in the morning, there's something called manna that just appears. Manna was kind of like a, a sweet bread that, that, that just appeared uh, on the ground. And so Moses tells the people, this manna that you're taking in, you need to understand it's going to spoil quickly. And so don't save any of it. Just take enough to eat for your meal uh, that day, and uh, the next morning it's going to be spoiled, so don't worry about it, and there'll be more in the morning. So let's see what happens, verse 19 and 20 of chapter 16. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. It was full of maggots, and they began to smell, so Moses was very angry with them. So God's done a miracle. They're getting this bread out of nowhere on the ground. And Moses tells them, God's going to take care of you. Just worry about what you have today. If you keep it for tomorrow, it spoils. And then they go out and they try to collect it in the morning. Why do they do that? Because they're focusing on what might happen. We're out here in the middle of the desert. What if it doesn't show up in the morning? We've already run out of water once. We've already run out of food once. How do we know this is going to be there in the morning? We better make sure that we've got what we need and we're going to go out and collect it in the morning. It showed a lack of trust in God by panicking about what might happen in the future. But then there's a second part of this same story in verse 27 and 28. Then Moses does something really weird. It gets to be the Sabbath evening and he says, Now, Tomorrow, as you get your food, gather everything and save it overnight because God doesn't want you to collect it on the Sabbath day. And they said, well, 
it spoils. What do you mean save it over? And I go, yeah, but God doesn't want you to collect on the Sabbath day, so it's not going to spoil on the Sabbath day. It'll just spoil on the other days. So look at what happens, verse 27 and 28. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they didn't find any. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Again, why did they do that? What if we don't have enough? They're centering on what they, uh, that, about what may happen. One of the worst things you can ever do is worry about things that may happen. Sociologists tell us about 95% of the things we worry about never happen. 95% of the things we worry about never happen. My favorite, one of my favorite quotes of all time, I've told you many times, I'll tell you again just because it amuses me even if it doesn't amuse you. Uh, Mark Twain once said, I've lived through some terrible things in my life, one or two of which actually happened. And, uh, you know, you're always worried about what might happen, and most of those things don't happen. So if all you're doing is concerned about what might happen, and you're building all of these scenarios of some disaster that might come upon you, you're not going to be a grateful person. You're going to be fearful and anxious and not able to sleep because you built all these scenarios about something that might happen in your life instead of just trusting God. You know, racehorses wear blinders or blinkers uh, when they run. What are they called, Katie? Blinkers. Okay, they wear blinkers uh, when they run. Uh, here's a racehorse with some blinkers on right there. Now, what are the purpose of the blinkers? The purpose of the blinkers is to keep the horse focused and looking straight ahead. So if another horse comes upon alongside, it doesn't scare them, it doesn't panic them, it doesn't draw their attention away from running in a race. Uh, and also the crowd yelling and screaming, it's not going to distract them, they're looking ahead. You ever seen the Budweiser's Clydesdales? Anybody? Same thing, here's a picture of the Clydesdales. They wear the blinkers, so when they're in a crowd and people are yelling and screaming and trying to get their attention, they're focused straight ahead. You see what you focus on. And so the point of the matter is very simple. If all you see is what you are lacking, if all you are seeing is what might happen, if all you're seeing is the problem, then you're not going to be a grateful person at all. And that brings us to the last story uh, that we see. Uh, in our scripture passage and it's at the very start of chapter 17 it sounds familiar and what we're going to see is this we need to focus on what unites us and not what divides us on what unites us and not what divides us chapter 17 the whole israelite community set out from the desert of sin traveling from place to place as the lord commanded they camped at rephidim but there was no water for the people to drink and so they quarreled with moses and said give us water to drink and Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put me, why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there. They grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me to death. And so what we see here is they run out of water again. You're just a couple of months into this journey. In the couple of months of the journey, they've seen the miracles of Egypt. They've seen the parting of the Red Sea. They've seen water come out of a rock. They've seen bread rain down. They've seen all of these things happen. They run out of water again, and all they can see is the problem. 
And sometimes if all you can see is the problem, you need to begin to blame your problem on someone or something. And we blame our problems on all kinds of things. We blame our problems on God. God, this is your fault. If you'd have loved me, we wouldn't have run out of water. We blame our problems on other people. This is my parents' fault. If they'd have raised me differently, I wouldn't be like this. You know, we blame it on our boss. You know, if my boss would just uh, pay me more and make me the head of the company, you know, everything would, would be going well. We blame our problems on our friends, on our spouses. We blame our problems on everything in the world except ourselves because we never want to take responsibility for our own problems. Sometimes if you want to see the cause of the problems in your life, you just need to look in a mirror, and you'll probably see most of the cause of the problems in your life, but you don't want to blame yourself, so you blame somebody else. They blame Moses, and it's kind of a funny series of scriptures here. They come to Moses, and they said, We don't have any water. Give us something to drink. And Moses said, Why do you come to me? I'm thirsty too. You know, I don't, I don't, you know nothing I can do about this. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Moses goes to God, and he says, God, what am I going to do? They're ready to stone me to death. They run out of water, so they want to kill Moses. He's probably their only chance of getting water. You know, and they want to kill him because they've got to blame it on somebody. And so we mean to begin to see, okay, are we going to focus on the things that divide us or the things that bring us together? Because what you focus on makes all the difference in the world. And that's really the gist of all four of these scriptures. When you look at your problems and your troubles and what you don't have, you become very ungrateful. When you look at what you do have and what you're grateful for, life looks entirely different. When you begin to count your blessings and appreciate what you have. My son Andrew went to the University of Louisville game yesterday, and and, uh, one of his friends uh, that he'd gone with put a a little story up on uh, Instagram and it said it is so cold I can no longer feel my toes okay so that was the first part Uh, it's so cold I can't feel my toes and it was cold yesterday I remember driving in my car and getting out in the garage to go in I got cold you know when it was there so I can't imagine being at a ball game for for three four hours or something like that so the first part is it's so cold I can't feel my toes and then the second thing was but boy, this is a good ball game, and I'm glad I'm here. And so you have those two things, really cold, toes about to break off, and I'm having a really good time because we're winning the football game against the top 20 team. So now you have to decide, which of those two am I going to focus on? What if you focus on being cold? You think it would be a miserable three hours if that's what you focused on? It would be awful to focus on freezing for three hours. What if you focus on a really good football team and what's happening out in front of you? Everything begins to change. That mean you're not cold. You're still cold. But your focus draws your attention and makes everything look different. I encourage you as you go into this Thanksgiving week to focus on what you have and what you have to be grateful for. And I think it will change everything and it will take you from grumbling to gratitude. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, we just pray that today you would help us to, to appreciate what we have instead of always wanting something we don't have. Uh, help us to be grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. 
If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.